Hey guys, the construction monk here. We are in a long-term series entitled Calling All Mystics Notes from the Road, where we're talking about what it means to be a Christian mystic. And I am a Christian mystic, but I'm a baby mystic, remember? So I am digging into a lot of my journey unpacking it, understanding it, and growing in my ability to communicate it in conversation with God. I mean, this is what I'm doing. I'm having conversations with God about the work that He's already done in me and the work that He's doing, and I'm sharing out of those conversations in conversation with you. All right. Today's episode is Secular. This is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Stewart. So let's get into this episode entitled Secular. All right. Okay, so a point of correction. Last episode I ended in the outro, and I called myself J. Randall Ori. <laughs> so just a point of interest, I guess. When I started this whole thing, I was under that moniker. Ori, as my last name, J. Randall Ori. Now it's J. Randall Stewart, which is my name. But the reason that I took on that name originally came out of a conversation with my wife. I had written a book, self-published it, and I was teaching a class on that book at my church And the book was on contemplation. And my wife said, well, that's kind of arrogant that you're using your own book. And that might cause some people to hesitate in discussing the book. And so I thought, yeah, good idea. So I I invented or I created this pseudonym. And lots of authors do this, right? I I think, isn't Stephen King might be a pseudonym, right? A lot of authors and artists and... Actors take on pseudonyms, you know, they they come up with a stage name. So that's what I had done. And then as I had as I was journeying out of the desert into the promised land, God just encouraged me. He's like, I'm bringing you back to yourself. And at one point, he's just like, you need to go back to your name. So when you go to older episodes, you'll hear me call myself J. Randall Ori. Just know that. And that's a delineation. Actually, for me in this phase between the phases of my life, the stages. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, today we're talking about secular. And the main thing I want to get across to you is that there is no such thing as secular. It has become a category. But it's not a helpful category. Let's talk about the history of secular and where it came from. So really... Most cultures and cultural mindsets did not have this delineation of, of secular. And they didn't have the distinction between the secular and the sacred. This is also what we call the holy and the profane. Okay? Or what can be called. But most cultures did not have this idea that there were some things that had to do with God and religion and other things that didn't. What happened out of the Protestant Reformation, 
the rebellion against the monarchies, which was also a rebellion against the Catholic Church, because in the European monarchies, you had these two monolithic powers that were really in collusion together. It was the church and the state, and they were in bed. And so modern democracies were formed out of this idea of separation of church and state. And this is not a bad idea in some terms. You know, looking back through the Middle Ages, you do see out of this collusion between church and state, a lot of bad things happened, especially with the Crusades. That's one of the probably glaring examples of this, of the negativity of the collusion between church and state, where you had popes telling kings, you need to muster an army and go take the Holy Land. And they did. There were, um, I believe there were seven main crusades and a lot of minor crusades. But like, like basically the founding fathers of democracy in the modern era said, you know what, it's just not good that church figureheads should have control over governments. This created the idea and the dichotomy of the secular and the sacred. And I think in political life, I don't see it as a bad thing. I think that it is good, and I think it's produced this ability for any nation to foster and encourage and and have freedom of religion. I think that's good. And you see this even in Rome, which is interesting, that Constantine, when he made Christianity acceptable, it wasn't a favor of Christianity or in favor of Christianity. He just said, I don't think we should persecute any religion. At the time... Most emperors favored the Roman religion, which really deified them. And Nero was the glaring negative example of that, right? I think he would even paint himself in gold and he declared himself a god. right? Well, uh, Constantine was the first one to say, you know what? Why are we persecuting people for their religious affiliation? Let's just, we shouldn't do that. People should have that freedom. And so, you know, out of the Eastern and Western Roman empires came the European monarchies, which didn't (laughs) adopt that value. But then the democracy, uh, or did then democracy came and and has this value. We we shouldn't persecute people for their religions. We should, there should be an openness for people to practice whatever religion they want. And, And democracy is founded on freedom, right? But to do that, you have to also say, and no particular religion should have control over government. We should separate these two. That's a good thing. But it's created this idea that there is actually a dichotomy of secular and sacred when there isn't. All creation comes from God. And concerning mysticism in particular, this becomes even more important. All life flows from the life of God. And so... There is no such thing as things I do in the secular world as a person and things I do in the sacred world as a person. There is no such thing as how I act in church is different than how I act at my job. How I act at the grocery store or how I drive my car is different than when I'm reading my Bible at home. This dichotomy feeds into the dissection of our personhood and the compartmentalization and the disassociation, right? And it it, it is a... A practical dysfunction of even our personhood. The, the idea that we could think that our thinking is somehow separate from our spirit and our emotions are separate from our thinking and our bodies are separate and there's all these separate parts of us. Like, this isn't good. We, we are a spirit 
with a soul and a body. And there's not any part of us that isn't powered by our spirit. And there's no person who has a spirit not powered by God. When you start to think of yourself, when you conceptualize yourself as a person who could exist apart from God, that is the beginning of death. That is actually the knowledge of good and evil. God is good, only good, purely good. What Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve was introduce an idea of non-reality, you could say. Like, there is nothing that can exist apart from God. And yet Satan has tried to establish the world apart from God for his own sake. The kingdom of the world, the principalities of the world, the world system. Because he does want to rule apart from God. But this is an absurdity. Because God powers all things by the life of God in the life of all things. This is mysticism. This is... This is what some call unitive consciousness or mystical union, non-duality. Like there is only one thing. That one thing is God. God is spirit. And from this one thing, spirit manifests all other things. And this is partly what we talked about in Limit and Flow in the Tin Sefirot that I learned about from Rabbi Glasser. But like God is the lodestar, the fulcrum the hinge-pin at the center of all things. From God, all things manifest. And so nothing exists apart from God, so there is no such thing as secular and sacred. All things are spiritual. All things flow from the Spirit of God, and concerning our personhood, everything flows from our spirit. You don't have thoughts separate from your spirit. You don't have emotions separate from your spirit. You don't have a body separate from your spirit. You don't have a soul separate from your spirit. There's no separation. So... This dichotomy of secular and sacred is, is harmful. And it can be harmful even conceptu- conceptually when we start to think in terms of this is my religious life and these are my religious principles and these are my religious truths. And then I have these, uh, these other things. There is, there's another way this plays out. And I hear this all the time, especially in, with naturalists, where they say, well, you have your religion and your religious views, but then there's science and these two don't mesh. Untrue. Science, the definition of science is the categorization of information into categories or the, the organization of information into categories. Better way to put it. So science is simply the ability to categorize things. This is, you know, this is the science of biology, the science of psychology, the science of the brain, the science of the body. This is the science of psychology, right? The sciences aren't things. Well, the sciences aren't entities, I should say. They're just categories, right? They help us organize information. But like, there is no such thing as a category of science that has nothing to do with God. You can't take religion out of science because they're not two different things. Science has to do with the explanation of the way the world works. And there is a science to religion. There's a science, it's called metaphysics. There is a, it's, it's considered a branch of philosophy. And I have studied metaphysics and philosophy as a part of my humanities degree at the bachelor's and master's level. Metaphysics is just the knowledge, the category of knowledge about what is beyond the physical. Cool, huh? Just a category. 
you can't separate. So you, you can't separate it out and say, well, this body of knowledge and science is about plants, but it has nothing to do with God. <laughs> okay, really? So in the beginning, when God created the world, he had nothing to do with creating plants and how they work. Okay, so I think, again, we come back to the negative aspect of how sometimes religion has influenced culture. And the Catholic Church definitely had too much control in culture. And so you had the Catholic Church at times dictating science. And one good example was Helio. One good example is heliocentricity, right? I think this was Copernicus, possibly. I could be wrong. This is from, I think Copernicus came up with the idea of heliocentricity, which was the idea that the sun is at the center of our solar system. Well, the Catholic Church didn't like that. Why? Because the Bible says the sun rises and sets. And so they were like, God has said that the earth is at the center of our universe, not the sun. And I believe that they killed Copernicus because of this. Because he was using science to determine the actual reality of the solar system. And you had religious zealots going, you're contradicting the Bible and you don't do that. You're dead. (laughs) And so you have these negative kind of consequences when you have a institutional religion controlling a culture too much, controlling the government, controlling science, controlling the arts, right? And saying, you can't paint that. You can't think that. You can't write that. You can't say that. You can't present that theory. That's not good. And so it's not bad to say that religious institutions shouldn't have control of these aspects of culture. That's not bad. But it is not good to say God has nothing to do with certain aspects of our world. But there can be a negative consequence of trying to divide these things in our personhood, in our concept of life. When you start to understand things spiritually, mystically, you start to understand how everything is connected. There's a lot of cool scientific studies that that show the effects of our person and our expression and the manifestation of our person on the world around us, right? And this is really cool. I was thinking about this the other day. You have these three levels of science, basically. What we could call three levels. Classic Classic mechanics, quantum mechanics, and what I call integral mechanics. These are... These are kind of... Classic mechanics are how big systems work. Planets, solar systems, the cosmos... Quantum mechanics goes below the level of what can be seen with the naked eye. So you're, you're really theorizing about how things work because you can't actually see them. That's quantum. Integral mechanics is like the space between things, what's in the space. It's what is currently called string theory, dark matter. All these things come from that level. It's like I invented that term, by the way, integral. Integral means connected or how things are connected. My belief is that... God is the space between all things. But it's interesting as you go from classic mechanics to quantum mechanics, what you see is that in, quant- in, in classic mechanics, things work in a very mechanized way. That's why we have scientific laws. Gravity always works this way. You know, 
you can say that there are principles to classic mechanics. At the quantum level, we're beginning to see that that breaks down. At the quantum level, what you see is that the presence of a sentience or a personality starts to change how things behave. So you go from this non-personal realm of classic mechanics to this to quantum mechanics where it seems like the energy of a person seems to affect how things behave and there's there aren't these hard and fast laws concerning how things operate it's very bizarre and then to me integral mechanics would be pure personality pure being like god's being holds all things together so of course this is my way of conceptualizing how the physical created world drops down into this position between physics and metaphysics, you could say. And then metaphysics is the purely spiritual, the purely unseeable. But there, there's, it's, like, it's like quantum mechanics is the soul level where the body of the created world interacts with the body of the spiritual world. Isn't that wild? But the supernatural supersedes and precedes the natural. And in fact, the supernatural is natural. There are laws, there are, there are principles to the supernatural, but it is based on our relationship with the person of God, with the being of God. God in God's nature is consistent, pure love, always good, never changing, does not ever decide to do anything that isn't good. Yet the expression of that goodness isn't always consistent. And so people don't operate by principles. That's not how we're made, even. You know, often the problem, as we, we try to kind of grapple with classic mechanics and intro, integral mechanics, is it's really the, sometimes the difference between the consistency of something and the inconsistency of something. Like, or um, the expectation of things, right? In some ways, we really would like everything to work uniformly. Like, but in other ways, we know that can be confining. This is a really important principle that I will get into. But often in our disordered state, we want the things that should be flexible to be immovable and the things that should be immovable to be flexible. Like We're trying to tell God who God is and how God should work. And we're actually often trying to tell God what is good. God's goodness is immovable, and God will never be other than what God is. But God's expression of that goodness is very personal and subjective. Often we want the subjective to be objective and the objective to be subjective. We flip it. And you, you see this a lot. People are very confused often when it comes to, like, how do I know God? What are the principles, the rules? What's the formula? And a mystic above all will say, no such thing. You're, you're thinking too naturalistic too much classic mechanics. God's not a, a God's not chemical processes. God is a personality. And this is a good way to imagine it. If I went to my wife every day for 100 days and asked her the same question, would I get the same answer every time? Probably not. If I asked her every day, give me a kiss or give me a hug, I might get you know for 100 days, I might get a different answer every day. Yes, no, little one big one you know right why well she's a person she's not a chemical processy she's not 
a formula. She's not a principle. She's not rules. She's a person. And depending on so many factors, depending on the day I approach her and ask the question, depends on her answer. Same with God. Why doesn't God heal everybody? Why, you know, why does God do this here and not do that same thing there for the same situation? Because it's not about a situation. It's about relationship. Relationship is meant to be fluid and flexible. And like this is the beauty of creativity. I'm a person in the world. On any given day, I have the freedom to, to express myself how I choose. That's freedom. But I don't get to choose who I am. The ground of my being is set. And that's good. But we flipped it around. We try to control the ground of our being, which is spirit. That's the dysfunction. Because we've made these distinctions that aren't true, like secular and sacred. Like, we are sacred. There is no secular. There is nothing that isn't God. Pure spirit. I don't choose who I am. I choose how I flow. When you get into the ground of our being and you start to understand everything is spiritual, everything is sacred, there's no separation, then you start to operate properly. And you don't control your spirit. That's the dysfunction. You get to control the manifestation, the expression, to a degree. You actually, again, it's not a control, it's a flow. And I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> Do, you know, we can focus the flow. We can choose how to interact with the flow of others. We can choose to flow with others. We can choose not to flow with others. We can choose to walk straight, turn left, right? But we don't choose how it works, how it operates. Because there's no separation of sacred and secular. There's no such distinction in the reality of the world. It's necessary sometimes in, in an institutional approach when it comes to power and control to say, I, I don't think that religion should really have a say over this thing. But that's also because sometimes religions are too vested in the wrong power and they're too compartmentalized as well. It's not good for you to think of yourself in terms of sacred and secular, in terms of your life. You should always be connected to God, flowing from God, flowing from your spirit, wherever you go. This is a, a beautiful thing, actually, that you don't change who you are in certain circumstances. This is part of the dysfunction. I'm going to curate my ex my, the expression of myself in different situations with different people. That's not good. Then you're, you're cutting yourself off from your true person and you're trying to filter yourself again, which literally means you're trying to take your spirit energy and put this filter in the soul that says, I'm not going to let this flow in that way. See, I mean, this is, so this would be kind of the principles of the sacred, which would be God gave you a spirit and he created and designed your spirit to flow a certain way. And so the seven, or sorry, remember the six parts of armor, the chest, the belt of truth, right? The shoulders, the head, the legs, like basically God has designed your spirit to flow a certain way and to react a certain way to things. And so it's like when there is a, 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 a need for righteousness for rightness to be expressed from your spirit you should express it 
and you should express it as righteousness. You should it's the expression of what is right and what should happen. But so if your spirit is trying to express rightness, don't stop it and don't channel it through something that it's it's meant to come through your chest, through your arms, sometimes through your voice. But don't stop the flow and don't say I don't want it to flow this way. Let's turn it into something it's not. Let's 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 turn it into affection. Like they blend together, but we don't get to say how our spirit works. When we start to try to do that and say, well, this isn't the time for me to express some kind of spiritual principle or spiritual concept. It doesn't have anything to do with who I am at work or how I drive my car. No, that's not true. Your spirit needs to flow all the time the way that God created it to flow. This is what we're trying to get back to. There is this thing in us, in the soul... It's what scripture calls the sin nature or the mindset in the flesh. But it is actually the attempt to curate our spirit's flow. Because we think in our messed up concepts that we shouldn't always be spiritual in every situation or religious or holy or have, or have a concept of how, what God might bring to the table in a certain scenario. We've made all these distinctions, but we're actually just squelching the flow of our personhood. You know, last time I talked about religion and religiosity and the goodness of religion and how it's a coalescing of principles and ideas that help us find healing and wholeness as we come back to God, right? In the process of our healing, the healing of our personhood, like that affects everything, and it should. Because it's about our relationship with the entire created world and uncreated or non-created world, (laughs) spirit, right? And we need to stop dissecting ourselves and curating ourselves to be certain things in certain situations. We need to just start to learn to flow. That's the goal. Religion is not separate from anything because it's simply a way to come back to yourself and find healing and to be the person you're meant to be in every situation. And then you're not trying to figure out who you should be not here with that person and you're just who you are all the time. That's the beauty and the simplicity of life with God and healing and wholeness is I am who I am all the time. At least that's the goal. I'm trying to flow how I'm meant to flow. I'm not trying to mitigate the flow, curate the flow, hinder the flow, misdirect the flow, redirect the flow. I'm a spirit in a soul and a body. And the goal really is that I really believe the energy of my spirit is purely good. That's how God made it. And as it comes through the soul, it needs to not be hindered or misdirected in any way. I don't need to curate anything and then as it flows through the soul to the body, it will be expressed correctly. And I don't need to... There doesn't need to be a look back towards myself to see if I'm acting the right way. There is this fluidity of personhood that becomes so natural, such a good, healthy set of rhythms and habits where we're just flowing. Well, this is the natural expression that's coming through me right now. And you may not like it, but it's me. And I'm going to be me. And this, God invites us back to ourselves. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. That's what he's saying. He's like, if you let go of your attempt to curate yourself and think that you can recreate yourself a different way, then you will actually start to come back to who you really are and just be who you really are. And it is so good and it's so natural. 
You'll just start to be yourself in the world and you won't even think about who you are or what you're doing. You'll just flow naturally and you'll start to experience the goodness of all life through yourself. Cup dish, right? Spirit, soul, body. That's the, that's the goal. It's unhealthy to think that there are God things and not God things. That there's secular and there's sacred. That there's profane and there's holy. Everything comes from God. This is The problem in the world is that we have made these distinctions. Not institutionally, but spiritually, conceptually, and how we operate as a person in the world, and how we think of the world. Everything is God. That's the reality. At the core of everything, God, spirit. Everything emanates from God in every moment. For in Him we move and breathe and have our being. Or it might be live and breathe and have our being. Um, that's the scripture on my website. So, no such thing as secular and sacred. Everything is sacred. There's no sacrosanct. <laughs> Everything is God. When you start to step into that reality, it's really healing because you just learn how to be yourself in every situation. That's really good. Got it? Okay, good. Everything is sacred. Everything is holy. Because all things come from God and are enlivened by God in every moment. This is a mystical view. When you operate in the Christian religion and think of it as an institution with principles and truths, you can start to say those truths are just about your religious practices, beliefs, and views, and they have nothing to do with my approach towards biology, neurology, you know, or psychology. But what doesn't God have to do with anything? All things come from God. Do you want to understand how the world works? You need to understand the, con the, the connection between the natural and the supernatural. The supernatural is natural. The natural is supernatural. It's all connected, right? Classical mechanics, quantum mechanics, integral mechanics. It's really about the interplay between the reality of, the th of existence, the, real the reality of being at the center, and the things it manifests. And of course, we can make a distinction there, but they're all the same thing. They all have the, they're sourced in the same thing. So that's it's important to understand that our dichotomy and concept of secular and sacred isn't true. All right, hey guys, this has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Stewart. <laughs> Got it? You guys can catch more content at www.moderncontemplative.com. Love you guys. Be well. Be whole. Find that path back to wholeness through God. Amen. <laughs>